And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thank you so very much for tuning in on a very special Thursday show. I want to say for all of December shows, to everyone tuning in, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. I'm so glad that you are. Uh, I love the holiday season. I'm glad you're tuning in. Our Thursday shows are always special each week. We have one guest joining us, or sometimes two, but a very intense one-hour conversation about really important topics. And today we have just an extraordinary and interesting and unique guest joining us via Skype in just a moment. But I want to introduce him uh, a little bit to you because this is a really uh, just an interesting uh, young man in America. Many, many things we'll be talking with him about. But um, this is a gentleman who is of South Korean descent but grew up in America and um, really got way down the path of being uh, supportive of and embracing communism, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, he has stories that you just kind of shake your head. This is a gentleman who grew up in uh, New Jersey and went off to college. And of all wonderful things, instead of being indoctrinated, he started to think, can't have that. And as he was thought through and watched what was happening, uh, what things CCP was doing, what things he's being taught, actually having an open mind listening and reading, um, he no longer is supportive of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. As a matter of fact, he's a very strong American patriot, a strong Christian, strong American patriot, and has done an extraordinary thing uh, in becoming the director of the Captive Nations Coalition, which is a subcommittee of the Committee on Present Danger China. The uh, founder of Committee on Present Danger China is Frank Gaffney, who's been on the show many times. Uh, and this is really focusing on this subcommittee of that uh, group, uh, directed by this uh, very young man named Sehun Kim. Sehun is his first name. He directs this. And the things they've done, I just printed out the uh, many things, but I just printed out just the list of things they've done in the last couple of years. Truly extraordinary. Uh, and bringing the message of what the CCP really is all about, what they do to the Chinese people, uh, and what freedom should mean in America. Um, he brings that message to college campuses, just some amazing conversations he's had, even with people who are in America, but are still citizens of China, but coming to America to do their, um, their college or graduate degrees. Uh, conversations with them, bringing panels to these colleges, it is just, uh, he is, I guess a tornado is a bad word, but a tornado of energy trying to spread the word about the goodness of America and the evils that are just, that underlie all of what the CCP does. So please let's welcome to the show, Sehun Kim. <laughs> so hi, welcome. Hello, Debbie. Thank you so much. Trying to get back on the screen. Anyway, I'll, I'll tell our listeners one other thing I meant to mention uh, before I finish the introduction was that we were, uh, my husband and I were in a meeting a couple weeks ago, and it was an overnight thing. It was a very serious, intense meeting. And um, so we were at the breakfast table and, you know, just getting started that day. And there was maybe 10 of us at the table. And I was talking across the table to Sehun. And then pretty soon, I traded seats and sat next to him. Um, there, there were a lot, everyone was chattering about things, but I was so interested in a young man, so uh, clear in your thinking. So I, I'm just, I'm so grateful you're able to join us. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, David. And it's an honor to be here and join all of you today. Well, you're very kind. Um, okay, I'm going to um, start with this. I want to have you, and I, I actually, I was thinking later, I didn't ask you this when I met you, but... So you grew up in New Jersey. How did you end up in New Jersey so enamored with communism? Where did that come from? 
Well, firstly, I think I should mention uh, the fact that I was going through a, a state of confusion, like all kids that came to the United States in uh, their young age, um, where you know you 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 come here, but you don't really fit in here, um, especially. And so, um, I guess I was going through that point of um, of self discovery, um, but that did not go uh, extremely well, although I had some wonderful people around me, including my parents and my teachers, uh, some good friends of mine. Um, but I never really um, had this sense that I, I, I truly belonged in the environment uh, that I was in. And so uh, as the years went by, as I entered into uh, high school, you know, I came across uh, certain works of, of Karl Marx and um, couple of the other leftist uh, writings uh, as well. And, and this is where it got int very, very interesting. Um, and, and again, this is, this is when I'm a Christian and I've, when I've been actively going to church and, and all that. Um, and, and when I read the uh, works of Marx and some of these leftist um, uh, brochures and, and articles that's out there, um, they, they told me this one, one very, very enticing message, which is the fact that, you know, uh, it's really not you that's the problem. Maybe it's the people who are outside um, of your your space that's the problem. Matter of fact, maybe it's the system um, that you live in um, is the problem in and of itself, and you must um, do everything you can to unite with others who, who think like you do and uh, dismantle the system as much as possible. And so um, I, I delved into um, his writings a lot more. Um, and, and again, um, many of the communities that <clears throat> I came across um, throughout my high school years were, were people who actually were our churchgoers like myself. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm safe. Um, I, I'm safe in terms of my faith. I'm safe in terms of uh, my comfort. I'm safe in terms of, uh, you know, discovering um, uh, discovering this, um, this solution for myself and for this quote-unquote better world um, that Marx was um, telling us. So um, that's also when I came across the, the Chinese Communist Party and, and just um, uh, be, uh, became enamored by it, um, especially um, the, right around the time when the Beijing Olympics were happening. Um, that's when I entered into high school. And so um, I'll explain a little more about that, but that's, a, that's essentially the gist of um, how, it, how I came across um, of being uh, what I was in the, <laughs> a Marxist uh, in, in the past. You know, that is a really um, profound sense of self-awareness as you, where you are now, looking back at yourself then, what would draw you to those, that kind of thinking? And it's really what a lot of leftism in America still does today. It is, it is it's the same tactic, the same mindset. And I think we talked about that a little bit at breakfast and then later at our meeting, but the idea that you lure people in by telling them whatever's going on, it's not really your fault, it's society's fault, and, and join us, back us, and we'll fix society. Believe yeah. that's accurate, even today, what the, the leftists in this country try to do? No, absolutely. And, and, and matter of fact, you know, you, we, have to, we have to really see what's going on around us continuously in, in, order to, um, you know, in order to combat this evil that's around us. I mean, you have to understand, we live in a very, very emotional society where emotions have been weaponized and fear has been weaponized. Um, and, and so that has, um, I, I, you know, unfortunately to say, that has um, and, you know, taken control of a part of our government, uh, our everyday society and all of that. And so uh, I would say, I would say we are, we're, we're, you know, we're looking at a tough battle uh, in front of us now. Uh, yes, yes, exactly we are. And the, the emotion 
it doesn't require thinking, doesn't require reason. You just, there's something resonates. Say, yeah, I feel that way too. I'm going to jump in and support that because that's how I feel too. So I really, I think that's amazingly insightful that you see that about yourself. Um, and I want to mention one other thing. It's just the quickest thing, but you told me that when we were talking, what you used to do when you're, you were uh, going to Catholic church, the Catholic mass in high school, can you just tell what you would do? Yeah, so um, it, I, I went to a, I, I received a Catholic education from elementary all the way to the end of high school. And I remember um, in mass and I even I went to a Protestant church um, in the, uh, on Sundays. Um, one time I actually brought a copy of the Communist Manifesto uh, rather than my uh, weekly Bible that I brought to church. And I made the case um, that, you know, Jesus Christ was 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 actually a democratic socialist because everything that he was preaching was, you know, for all mankind equally, you know, without one deserving more than the other. Um, and so I was enticed by that message. Um, at least it, it was a twisted um you know, theology that I created in my head, which apparently is now the theology that many, many people out there, unfortunately, have um, till this day. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember um, arguing with a friend of mine who, who, was, who was essentially just calling me crazy and saying, you know, why do you believe all this? What other things do you believe? And um, uh, I, I, I believe it was right after uh, religion, religion class, um, I, I, I I told this particular friend of mine that, you know, if anything, the Catholic Church has been making a huge mistake. Um, what they should have done uh, from the get-go was, uh, was to make Karl Marx a patron saint of the Catholic Church because he's essentially the embodiment of everything that Christ has taught, and essentially everything that the Bible has taught. You know, he's, he's fighting against the evil establishment regime um, that's trying to create all this unhappiness and weaponize, um, you know, this weaponizes uh, systems against us where um, there's constantly uh, a, a gap between the rich, rich and the poor um, and, 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 and creating an environment where people like myself really couldn't find a way to fit in anywhere. And so um, that's, that's, that's the gist of the story. There's a lot more. <laughs> well, you know, this, the, just your capacity, which I, I just, I really commend your capacity to be open-minded and listen and reason. So even though these ideas appeal to you for all the reasons you're stating, and they're very logical, you, as a young man in college, I, I read your piece from the uh, U of R interview. You were interviewed in the school paper there. I'm not sure we have a whole lot of time to go into that, except you did talk about the idea that you were listening to people describe what happened to their family at, Chan is it Chanaman Square? and recognizing, gee, that doesn't sound like the happy, friendly picture of the CCP that I thought was the case. Were there other little touch points to help you realize maybe you were wrong about the CCP? Well, I, I do want to get into what you do now today because it's extraordinary, but right. what else helped you realize what was so wrong with the CCP? Well, I, I must tell you, I wasn't really as open-minded as before. I mean, I, I, I was a staunch, staunch, um, you know, activist for quote-unquote righteousness. Um, and I refused to do a couple of things. I refused to reflect on my own beliefs I, 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 because I believe that questioning um, this great teaching itself is another form of this capitalist evil that I was, um, that I was facing in front of me. And, and plus, I, I, I thought, you know, just, you know, just like how I, 
you know, soldiers in war, if they're faced with propaganda, they would, uh, the, the good soldiers would, would try to fight against it as much as possible. I thought that questioning things and even looking at the narratives on the other side, unless you're using it to, uh, using the opportunity to infiltrate the other side, um, it was um, it, it was a way for the enemies to, to completely dismantle um, everything that Marx and, and, and this leftism has taught us. And so, um, I wasn't really as open-minded, but when I got to college, I remember I, I met a really good pastor um, in this ministry, and he he invited me to this um and in this forum called the Veritas Forum, um and I and I just went there out of curiosity because I thought I, I I've heard that it was it's a bunch of college professors um with who cover different fields such as uh, things like philosophy, quantum physics, biology, and whatnot. Um, just really talking about uh, talking about God and the existence of God and and, and just looking at God from from very uh, in a multiple sh ways of, um, of of academic discipline and so um, I, I sat there and one of the professors I after after the event um, you know, I, and, and it was a good lecture. I think I quite enjoyed it, you know, only because it's something that I've never, I've never really heard before, but I was, a, I was still a staunch leftist. And one of the professors I remember um, asked me uh, right after the Q&A session, when I approached him to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, he asked me, he asked me this question that I've never really asked before. And, and it's, a, and it's the question that um, unfortunately a lot of people in society do not ask themselves, which is the following is that, well, how do you know? He, he asked me, how do you know what you know is true? How do you know? And if you can prove to me what you know is the truth, then I'll go along with it. But if you can't, what, what reason do I have to trust you? Uh, and what reason do you have to trust what you, you believe to be true? Um, and that essentially just um, absolutely dismantled um, my, my thought process. I was actually in a state of devastation uh, for about a few days. Um, I remember just not being able to eat um, after being faced with that question because I was never, because I, 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 was, I was in this, I was in this um, mindset that whatever I do was right. Whatever I was doing not only, was not only for myself, but for all those people that were suffering across the world, which is quote unquote the Christian thing to do. And when somebody came who was also a fellow Christian um, and, and, and asked me this question and, and really just absolutely annihilated um, my, my thought process, the, the, the world that existed in my head, um, I, just, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't help but to really um, ask, ask, ask this question because I, every answer that I gave him according to my, based on my beliefs, I mean, he, was, he, he always had... He always um, gave me this um, counter question that I could not um, answer back. And so um, I decided to uh, do some uh, research of my own. And, um, I, and I must also uh, tell you why um, the Chinese Communist Party was such an attraction to me. I mean, you have to understand, you know, um, we all grew up in, and we, including myself, we all grew up in this, um, in, in this environment where uh, we enjoy all that, uh, uh, all, all the great benefits of modernism uh, is in front of us. Um, but then again, I still had the mindset of, um, of being in the left, and so I, I, I asked myself, how can, how can I enjoy the things that I have in front of me, but also at the same time keep to uh, the ideology that I have? And lo and behold, um, there came the Chinese Communist Party. It was um, it was a part. It was a, uh, a a government system that offered all the mod modern benefits um, that I wanted. Plus, um, it was uh, you know it had this w great one-party system that was um, what I thought to be marching towards the future of brightness. 
And I even remember um, reading about things like, you know, the Tiananmen Square or even the Falun Dafa community and saying, you know, the, it, this was just a bunch of protesters who really didn't, uh, who really couldn't uh, be part of the game and, and, and really just, um, and really just could not appreciate the good things that they had. Um, and, and so um, that's, um, that's the other reason why I became so enamored uh, by the CCP, because, you know, it was, it, it, it was to me, a, a best of both worlds. Sure. Okay. I, I mean, honestly, I will command again your capacity to look at your thought now and, and to and recognize what led you down to think certain things. I, I, there's so much you do right now that um, I want to be sure we cover a lot of it. Uh, to start with, I mentioned introducing you. You're the director of the Captive Nations Coalitions. It's a subcommittee of the Committee on Present Danger of China. And so, um, and you've been doing in, the, in your capacity in that uh, role you've been putting together events. And I was going to ask you, first of all, when did this start? When did the uh, Captive Nations Coalition start? Was that 2020? Well, I would say the, the organization itself started um, with, a, with a, a huge amount of help from our founder, uh, Frank Gaffney, and a few others within the committee. But the idea to stand with those um, in the Captive Nations actually started, at least for myself, um, back, in, back in college when I had this epiphany. Um, you know, I would I would say that you know after being faced with that question from that professor, I, I decided to do some research um, and firstly just uh, by actually communicating with the people who were actually the victims of a system that I was supporting. Um, and and just to share a small story, I I actually met um, a few of the victims, uh, whether it's in the Falun Gong community, Chinese Christians, uh, later on Tibetans and and whatnot, and they all really told me the same exact. Um, and they were in the same exact uh, storyline, which, which, is, which is that, you know, we are human beings just like you. And all we want is to be able to um, just enjoy everything that, um, that God has given us. Um, and so, um, you know, I was extremely humbled by that. Um, and of course, I was in the state of devastation. But um, for something inside of me kept on uh, pushing me uh, to do no more, to, to just basically um, to say, look, if and, and, and to, to say that, you know, this, the seeking of this knowledge will only, uh, you know, help me to uh, be in this uh, state of freedom. And, and to me at that time, being in the state of freedom was being, you know, emotionally um, uh, stable. <laughs> and so um, I, I, um, I, as I began to do more research, um, I, I, I began realizing that, you know, maybe there are others like me um, out there in college um, that are yet to that have yet to know uh, the things that I know, and so um, I began putting up um, events uh, on campus once a month, um, uh, inviting all these all these guys that I thought I thought to be my enemies at one point, and, and just really help getting them to talk to students about um, the realities. I mean, back then, you know, the Chinese Communist Party was essentially praised by many parts of our society, uh, even till this day, unfortunately. Um, you know, for all of their achievements and all the all of the um, achievement that they will have in the future, um, and so I wanted to sort of uh, get people to the other side and and to really help them to understand um, that you know it, you you really need to have have an open mind uh, for these things, and plus um, I would also I would also add the fact that you know I I came across Christ's teachings again where um, he I mean he essentially just just said you know. Um, being able to question what you know, being able to um, you know practice and and to utilize the mind that God has given you to 
to the, uh, to, you know, to the highest capacity is actually a really Christian thing to do. And Jesus actually demonstrated that when he was on, on, on the earth, he never uh, shouted at anybody who, went, who just wanted to, you know, argue with them, whether for good reasons or bad reasons or not, or not but he, he engaged with them, uh, but he never forced them to believe anything. And so likewise, um, I, uh, that was another humbling moment. And so um, it, when I was, when I was putting up these events uh, on campus, um, I would always tell the students that, well, firstly, we encourage everyone uh, to not believe anything that we're saying. Don't believe a word that we're saying, but we encourage you to uh, listen, care listen carefully um, and, and ask your questions if you have any, but bring back the material and decide whether or not it's, you know, you agree or disagree. But whatever conclusion you come out, uh, come out with, um, I'm just happy with the fact that you, um, as an individual, as a God-given individual, um, had the chance to think for yourself and utilize this mind that the Lord has given to all of us. Um, and so that's, um, that's a, essentially where all of this, the, the foundation of the captive nations uh, really uh, started. Love that. And I should have mentioned this is the University of Rochester and you're putting on events. So U of R, which is way upstate New York. Um, and so that's where you're in school. You're putting on these events, bringing people in. And, you know, it's so interesting to think that era because right now on campuses, many people will say if there are any messages that don't go along with the, with the prevailing narrative, don't go along with the left-wing view, the speakers are banned or the, the event is disrupted, but you managed to put on events that were bringing people in who are exposing students to things that they maybe had not thought about before and, and, and other perspectives. I, so I, I just think it's a, and, and I think your point about the way you, Jesus' example about he didn't get in their face, he, he just explained and answered and, and did without force, it makes people, it's more inviting for people to listen. But anyway, I love you to the events. Um, I do want to be sure we get to this, what you did or you're doing now in Washington because, or with this group in Washington, because, you know, people in America who are so concerned about the direction of the country, uh, how far Marxist our country seems to have gone, how far we are, you know, un seemingly helping the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and we worry that young people in college are getting indoctrinated to think all oh, this is good. This is, hey, great, America's finally going socialist. So I want to start with uh, what you did, and I, um, I think the event you were describing at Columbia, where you brought a, a, a panel to Columbia, um, and, I, and then afterward had some interaction with the students. So first of all, Tell us that the panel you brought to Columbia, there were several of them, but the one that we were with, Gordon Chang was there, and um, I forgot the other experts you had, but just describe that what you brought to Columbia University, please. So um, at Columbia University, fortunately, in the past year, um, I was able to get some really amazing students who um, sort of uh, were aware of the atrocities of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and, and so um, they, um, they, bra they bravely step forward and, and say it's called ZBT Columbia. It's a great fraternity. Um, they've, um, they've actually said, look, we're not going to agree on everything that you believe in. But again, it, this is an opportunity for us to really um, see the reality of, um, of, of this regime and, and to really get, give the students an opportunity to question um, what they know uh, about China itself. And so um, we did a several of them since uh, last year, but the past panel um, was, I think, was um, the most historically significant, something that has really never happened before. And I say this uh, because of the following reason. Um, 
you know, as some of you and may, many of you may know um, that there was a huge uh, COVID protest all over China where uh, Chinese people just finally had it uh, with the government's uh, arbitrary detentions and uh, lockdowns um, that were essentially starving people. We had a bunch of uh, over 40 Uyghurs um, died in their apartment because the government um, just essentially, you know, locked them, locked them in that they all burned to death. And so people were just absolutely angry. And for the first time, the um, the Chinese people were seeing the reality of, of, the, of the regime that they've, a lot of them, unfortunately, have blindly trusted. And so uh, about three weeks, I believe about three weeks ago or a little more, um, we've had uh, a, a, an incident where, um, well, several incidents where students from different universities, not just in Columbia, but UC Berkeley, Harvard, and, and a couple of other places, um, and, you know, where, where Chinese international students and their allies um, came out to support um, the, uh, the taking down of the CCP. And they also demanded that the, the, the current Chinese dictator, Xi Jinping, to, to step down. Um, and, 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 and the Colombia, for, for, I think for about, I think it went up about a few hours or so, there were over 500 Chinese international students who came out with white papers uh, to join their countrymen in, in protesting against uh, the regime that they once trusted. And so right after that, um, we, uh, you know, a lot of the students apparently just asked my uh, my colleagues at Columbia to to just hold a panel um, and to explain to to them further about what's happening at um, in in China, what will probably happen in China, what we need to do in order to uh, stand with freedom, stand for freedom in China. And so um, it, we didn't have Gordon Chang, but we had uh, two Chinese dissidents. One, uh, Mr. Zhou Fengzuo, um, who is the president of humanitarian China, is one of the uh, one of the highest-ranking uh, members within the um, the Tiananmen Square uh, protest movement back in 1989. And we also had a, a Chinese human rights lawyer, um, Mr. Feng Biao, just just coming out and, and just, um, sharing with the students about. Uh, you know all this, all, all of the, uh, all the potential uh, freedoms and, and democracies that will be possible for China if we work together. Of course, we had another great uh, professor uh, named Professor Andrew Nathan who also uh, gave um, an opportunity, gave us a, a good analysis of what's going on as well. And so, um, you know, I think uh, thanks to NTD TV, we uh, I, in that one night we had over ten thousand people uh, viewing our uh, our panel. And um, there were even Chinese international students in the room who just came over to us and said, you know, we, we really appreciate the fact that you stood for our freedom and, and you, we really appreciate the fact that you actually care about us. And despite the fact that, you know, you, you, you're not part of our society. And, and so uh, we, we're proud to stand with you. Please keep going. And, and, one, and I would even say I, I, got a, I got a message, a very, very sweet message from one of the international Chinese students from another place where um, he, he told me, you know, I, I vilified you, I hated you uh, for all the um, stuff that you've been doing over the years, but now I finally understand um, why you had to do what you had to do. And he said, will you ever forgive me? And I said, you know, look, there's nothing to forgive, man. Like, I, 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 I got you, and it's, it's, um, it's something that, you know, we, it's, it's just a sign that right now what's happening in China is a sign that all of us need to unite um, as people rather than just, you know, as uh different nationalities and the fact that we're doing this here in the United States where uh, we can take advantage of all the great things that the Constitution and the free and the general freedoms has to offer and and that beautiful um, incident where people were uniting together um, has taking place I mean it's it was absolutely 
um, uh, incredible thing uh, to have witnessed. For, it's for, heartwarming. I got to jump in because I want to make sure that a few of the points you made that we're just, uh, as they say, driving them home because they're so consequential. You're at Columbia, and first of all, you brought speakers who are presenting a panel talking about the evils of the Chinese Communist Party. And right. I would think there would be plenty of leftists on the campus who don't even really want to hear that. But you got that, and I, I think you had Roger Robinson and Gordon Chang, I don't right. know who else, but, but really profound, knowledgeable, indisputable experts laying out what China's doing. And as a result of that and other work there, I want to get around to the protests you're describing because there, there's a lot of meat to this. These are students, many of them. You say When you say they're Chinese international students, they're still citizens of China, but they're here in America going to school, and they have, apparently, I mean, they they're fa have family back in China, right. and they are eventually in a public protest against the CCP, calling for the CCP to step down, or whatever they're calling for, the dissolution of the CCP, and their faces are on camera, correct? Right, yes. correct. And so their family, their faces on camera, and the CCP is infamous for cameras everywhere. No privacy exists in China. Every, everything is recorded. So these students may potentially have their own families back in China, get a visit from the CCP. What is your son or daughter doing over here in America, correct? Isn't that possible? Absolutely, it's possible. I mean, worse things could actually happen. I mean, and and and... As we know now, um, worse things are now still taking place in China. So absolutely, you're right on that point. So yeah. the, I'm getting at the, the courage these students had to decide they're simply not going to um, be silent in America. They're, they're here where they have the ability. You are allowed to protest. You are allowed to take a position somebody else doesn't like. But their face is showing. And standing up against the CCP, this is kind of a... It, a little bit reminds me of the attitude I think you discern about the protests in China is that people have reached the point they aren't going to be kowtowed and silenced. They're going to stand up. Uh, that is a remarkable thing that, that you instilled that in them. And also want to ask you, the person who approached you and said, I don't agree with much of anything you think except for this, what was that person's political orientation? What were they talking about? Where were they coming from? I think it's, uh, you know, it was more of um, them just um, in this journey of discovery themselves. So, I mean, they're students at the end of the day, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't really affiliate them with any political party. But, um, you know, I, I, for me, I tend to look at it a little differently. You know, before they're leftists or in the right wing or in the center or whatever it may be, um, the Lord throughout the years reminded me that, look, at the end of the day, I came to die for you, but also at the same time, I came to die for them as well. Um, and, and if Christ, um, you know, took all that pain um, and, and when he could have given up and would have been right to do so anyways, up to his right. Uh, but if, if, he t if he took on that cross and to, and to really, um, you know, stand for these people so that they could, we could all join him in heaven one day, you know, what gives me the right as his follower um, to give up on them as well? And so um, when <clears throat> these leftist students, uh, you know, approach us, you know, especially, you know, before or even after these panels, you know, I, you know, we approach them with this, uh, you know, with, with the simple message that, look, you can disagree with me and that's totally fine. And so, and, and, and um, I guess you mentioned Roger Robinson. Um, there was a, a, there was a panel a year ago where uh, a, a, a climate activist um, student came and, and, and asked him, you know, look, if, 
Uh, I believe that climate is the most important issue in the world. And um, do you think human rights in China trumps, you know, the uh, the importance to care about the climate? And Roger Robinson just simply said, well, you're in a country where you can actually care about both. And you can. And these people need your help. <clears throat> yeah. And you can. And you can do that. And so um, that... Um, it also caused something that that approach of love and and, and compassion that also um, got us an opportunity um, to actually gain a, a bit of support even from the other side, especially when we are bringing the victims of the system that they're supporting. I mean, I mean, again, if I mean, these are people that they that a lot of these leftist um, activists or even students supposedly stand for. And I said, look, if you're, if you're going to stand for them, right, here's an opportunity to stand for them. Um, you know, we're having this panel, we're having these, or, or we're having this um, events, um, come check it out when you, when you have time. You know? and, and, if you, and if you still feel, you know, angry about it or, or, or disagree with it, that's okay. You know, we, we encourage you uh, to, to do research. And, 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 and again, we encourage you to come and debate us uh, have this conversation for us, but one thing that we will guarantee you is that we're not going to hate you. And so, um, even just going back to the Chinese students, I mean, they uh, they they've looked at they've looked at us and said, you know, I, one thing that we've never seen from from you, especially and and with your colleagues, is is hate. You know, we you know we've hated you, we've attacked you in the past, but our, and our colleagues in the past um, also have attacked you, attacked you in a in a in a, in a slew of ways, but. You know, we didn't see that from you. And so um, that really got us um, not just support, but an opportunity to see a, a great transformation um, in their in their academic lives and maybe even their thinking. And I pray that, you know, that their journey goes extremely well and the Lord will um, make uh, that particular journey prosper uh, with this wisdom. Yeah, something else I was going to mention about this. I want to turn to also the amazing uh, event. Uh, we're gonna, two more things I want to hit on. The, the event you had... Um, with the, uh, I don't know how to say his first name, Ennis Canton Freedom? Ennis, is it Ennis? Cantor Freedom. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I want to talk about that event in a moment. Um, and I want to talk about the larger argument that is now brewing. Political had a big piece out about it, about whether this current effort by conservatives in America to essentially decouple America from China because of all the reasons you're saying, because in many, many ways we support the Chinese Communist Party. I want to get to that topic too. But also, but first I want to turn to the protests in China ongoing right now. I, know, I saw an article recently talking about how, for the first time, China has capitulated a little bit. The government, is it, because of the protests continuing, you know, they had the deaths of these innocent people essentially trapped in their buildings because of extreme COVID lockdowns. They couldn't get out, they burned to death when a fire erupted in their building, and that sparked all these protests. And one thing that was notable, and, and you and I talked about it, was as you look at these pictures, and the protests are continuing in China, or the media here tries to ignore it, but the protests are ongoing, the people have had it with the COVID shutdown. They said, the, uh, so the government is making a few changes, but you made a comment about how brave it is in China for people not to wear masks and in the protest, and also the power of masks when you are the totalitarian side forcing the masks. I'd love to have you talk about that, the power of masks, why they do that, and the bravery essentially being shown by not wearing masks in the protest. Well, um, firstly, you know, we know that, you know, masks, on a medical terms, yes, it does protect, it does supposedly protect you from the viruses, and, and you know, doctors use it during operations, which, which is something that's 
essentially awesome. But when you're doing that to a mass society where you are you are telling them to wear wear masks and everyone was uh, sh should wear masks on top of all this um, arbitrary and and severe lockdown procedures that the CCP has enforced on its people, um, it tells you a couple of things. And one, it tells you that um, they're sort of sticking by with um, their totalitarian practices, where um, everyone needs to be uh, uniform and everyone needs to be uniform for the party to control them. And again, um, you know, once you, you know, the beautiful thing about our constitution is that it, our, our founding fathers knew, essentially knew that uh, mankind was susceptible to, um, uh, you know, to becoming um, this evil. And so they've, they've um, inserted a word um, in the constitution um, where, uh, which I think was affected a lot in the last two years, which is the freedom of expression. You see, when you, when you, uh, take away the people's people's um, ability to express themselves, you can essentially control um, their thoughts, their attitudes, um, and their actions. Um, and, and as we've even seen here in the US, um, uh, I mean, you have people essentially just acting like uh, some person of authority, you know, yelling at people and just uh, and treating them extremely badly a lot of times, you know, if, if, if they weren't wearing the mask in, in a certain way. And so um, in China, you know, it's really essentially the government that's, that's doing that. And so um, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing the, uh, a full practice of authoritarianism. And, and again, um, I would even go as, to, as far as to say um, that, you know, at this point, the CCP has pretty much thrown in everything that it can to its basket. Um, and essentially, they don't care um, whether, whether people die or not. And, but, you know, despite all of this, the Chinese people themselves have said, you know, enough is enough. Um, we are free people. And, and you have to remember this, we're dealing with a generation that has never known um, the societal hardships that they learn about constantly in school, how the Chinese people starved in the 1800s, all the way up to the start of the 20th century. And, and, uh, and it was the communist party that came and just liberated everybody. But, you know, you just, just because you hear about that continuously, that doesn't mean that you essentially, um, you know, believe it or you live by it. You only, you only conform to the, um, to the system only to just make sure that you have enough to eat uh, for the next day. But when the government takes that away, and, and again, the Chinese people now are now realizing that, you know, that you know, the Chinese, they themselves to a point, um, were robbed of this uh, freedom since, since the moment of their birth. And so um, letting, and, and many of them unknowingly so, have given the CCP uh, this, this internal power to take away everything and ev anything that they had. And so you're, it, when you're dealing with the generation who's never really known all that hardship and you take away um, their comfort and, and really um, waking them up, obviously there's gonna be a mass uh, side of protest and obviously there's going to be um, this long lasting hatred, you know, for the government, which I believe is, is now permanently in place um, amongst the various parts of China. It, it, these protests now are bigger than Tiananmen Square. I mean, meaning longer, the sustained time and people involved. This is a big, the biggest threat to the uh, absolute authority, the totalitarian authority of the CCP ever, right? Right. Yeah. So um, and it's interesting because you're hearing students you described at Columbia saying they're not just saying, you know, end the lockdowns or some specific demand. They're going after the CCP has to go. It, it must. Yeah, I, I love it. And I, in America, I think there's a real well, you're um, aware yeah. of that, too, through your work with Frank Gaffney. 
a real uh, burden or responsibility of conservative American freedom-loving patriots to wake other Americans up to recognize how much the CCP represses freedom and how much we're helping them in a variety of ways. We're helping them through trade. We're helping them through our um, treaty, uh, not starkly and strongly challenging them for the things they do. We're, we're enabling slave labor there. I'm getting around to this, this topic I want to hit about this decoupling. So there is a push now by Center for Security Policy and, and the um, clear and present danger China um, and probably your group too to really push the, they use the word decoupling, but end America's, uh, you know, relationship with China that is permitting uh, and, and in fact reliant on a lot of trade, uh, purchasing products in China that are slave labor produced that are actually, you know, made by genuine slaves in modern time. Um, and it's an interesting battle because uh, uh, some, and there was a big piece we were talking about before you came on, but or we were emailing about. The argument is of some people is okay. We're just you know we're we need to stand firm if we want to save the, or protect the Chinese people from the tyranny of the CCP. Try to get the the Uyghurs freed from slavery. Try to release the Chinese people, allow them to live in freedom. We have to stop supporting the Chinese Communist Party. So it's a pretty strong effort, kind of every avenue you can think of. And others are arguing, let's not get too carried away here. You know, we can tweak a trade contract, trade deal. We can revise a policy related to China's policies on our, or China's access to our stock market, but let's not get too carried away. You've been watching China and watching the CCP and speaking about it. So where are you on that, on the, on the idea of whether we should be strong and decouple as strong as we, as strong as we can, or kind of go halfway and be nice guys about it? Well, um, I, I, need to, I need to make it clear that that type of attitude where we, we thought, okay, well, let's give China a chance uh, for them to change. I mean, that's essentially how we became, um, you know, how, how we diplomatically uh, recognize them in the first place. And, and look where we are at now. Um, they, uh, they're, they're con they've been constantly stealing our intellectual property. Um, they've been constantly undermining our own security. Um, and they've also now have heavily infiltrated parts of our government. And, and I'm, I'm really, I'm, it's, it's really unfortunate to say that um, many people, including many of our politicians, have become um, the, the CCP stooges. And so um, I don't agree with that approach at all. And, and so um, the, the effort that we are trying to present to the world is simple, is that not only should we decouple completely from China, but to declare the CCP as what it is, a transnational criminal organization. Um, that has done nothing uh, but harm to the world. And we're doing this not, not, on, not only on behalf of the United States, on behalf of every single country that's out there, particularly part of the, part of the Belt and Road Initiative nations that have become victimized uh, by the CCP's global um, malign actions. Um, and, and so um, we, should, we should also um, cut off diplomatic ties uh, as long as the CCP is in power in China. And also at the same time, um, give aid uh, to nations um, that are willing to work with us, particularly our allies, um, you know, Japan, uh, South Korea, even a lot of our partners in, in, in Southeast Asia. And I would, I would even argue we need to work um, as much as we can with our friends in India um, as they are um, fighting against not just China, but the, this whole Sino-Wahhabi alliance that's that's been created over the years to undermine the securities there and really securities all over the world, and so um, 
that's the approach that we have to do and and we need to we need to unite as peoples in order to combat this evil but what i would also go as far as to say is that we need to also be uh, self-aware of the danger the impending dangers um of which will which will be in front of our faces if we don't do anything um you know this this type of totalitarianism it only you know it only comes when we have a weak society a weak government um that just essentially does not have any care for uh, respect uh, for human human life in general, and 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 particularly with this administration, what worries us, uh, what worries me also particularly is that you know we have never seen a strong stance against the CCP. We've seen we've heard very beautiful words or some initiatives here and there, uh, but you know unlike um, uh, you know unlike in the past where we don't we don't ever see that um, happening. Um, and so I pray that, you know, as on the grassroots level, we must uh, become aware of, um, of, you know, uh, of the impending dangers. And I would even say the, the first good um, step is to listen to those who have been victimized by the system and, 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 and take heed. Uh, because, you know, a couple of sentences uh, from, uh, from, from their words will quite like, most likely will change the way you think um, and, and the way you um, approach things in, in terms of the CCP. Yeah, all very well said. You made allusion to, and I've, and I've forgotten what event it was, but there was an event where Frank Gaffney, um, our, our mutual friend, was uh, countering or debating with someone who was talking about the idea that it was so brilliant that Nixon opened up America's relations to China, and this is how we got, you know, that the idea at the time was if we can open trade and, you know, help their economy and they help our economy, and we, and we were kind of making kind of like making friends, that that will ultimately impact the CCP, that they will be more willing um, as a totalitarian communist party to advance freedoms of their people, the people will be more connected to America, they'll understand freedom better. All this thought was it'll loosen the Chinese government's stranglehold of totalitarian control over their people. And obviously that didn't happen. The, the modern, the most current version of the CCP is among the most totalitarian, restrictive, controlling, uh, even more so than two decades ago. So we're at that place in America. And, you know, I, I set up the question by talking with, about, with you about the idea of decoupling. But the, what I think Frank Gaffney and your organization and, the, and Stanford Security Policy does so well is to help people understand the mission of China. The, the long-term international goal. It, and all of what is being described, this effort to decouple, isn't just because they have slaves and they, and they do bad things to their people, which is bad enough and, and enough reason for Amer America not to enable that in any way, but it's because China really does have single superpower of the world, an agenda, and not just a long-term goal, maybe we can make this happen, but a... a, a multifaceted war against America. In fact, that was one of the books that came out of Center for Security Policy. CCP is at war with America. And I'm going to tell you, I think maybe 5% of Americans know that. It's a huge task to have the Americans understand enough of that about how the CCP is at war with us to get them behind the radical decoupling that has to happen. I'd like your response to that. Well, I think that that approach, that Nixon's approach, is what what essentially got us um, into this mess in the first place. You have to remember, you, when you're dealing with any type of communist society, you know they don't they they view any act of goodwill, which we had at the time, uh, as a point of weakness. And so, um, and 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 shame on us. We they've looked at uh, the weaknesses 
uh, a lot of the other weaknesses that existed in our society, and 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 greed was definitely a part of it. Um, and so the I, I, the the CCP took um, a, a great amount of advantage of that, and and really recruited even a lot of our people, a lot of Americans, and elsewhere uh, in in the free world into in, you know into their society, and to essentially made them stooges of um, of their will, and. Uh, just going back to uh, just to touch a little bit upon the economic aspect, um, the the Chinese Communist Party only grew exponentially only because it cheated every time um, it, it it took upon any type of economic um, action or growth growth itself. I mean, they you know uh, for example you know China, the a lot, many of the Chinese state-owned companies do not um, you know do, do you know, do not come under scrutiny under any a lot of our um, uh, federal regulations that are applied to our own companies, for example, which is which is a huge, um, which is a which is a questionable thing uh, at the very least. Um, we're now even seeing um, our our thrift savings plan, um, which which is uh, held by our military members, our federal millions of federal workers um, that are hardworking people out there, um, and a lot of their pensions are being um, invested via third party of Wall Street um, to uh, to Chinese companies that are literally. Funding um, the the People's Liberation Army. So in the future, when if we were to go to war with the CCP, no matter what the outcome, every bullet that comes along the way um, of our of our young service members, um, we technically paid for it. And so the CCP, um, you know, has instead of us really changing the CCP, we unfortunately have become, you know, to a point. Um, a, a slaves to the people that we were essentially trying to change, and and that and that unfortunately has been a reality for for 50 years, and um, with I it is within our hopes that within uh, you know within the within the short amount of time that we have, uh, we can come to this realization and and to really help um, declare the CCP for what it is. As I said before, a, a transnational criminal organization. Um, and just one more thing about uh, just even going back to the masks, you know, um, the the Chinese people themselves are now realizing, you know, the the dangers themselves that they've also realized that the CCP, uh, the CCP's act of atrocity never happens to the outside world until it practices on its own people. And so the Chinese people are now are, are now saying, you know, enough is enough. Um, we have nothing to lose anymore, and uh, we uh, we want freedom like everybody else. We're human beings like any other per people across the world, and we dis and uh, and we deserve um, all of the all the things that um, that that God has to offer on, onto this onto this world. And we uh, we no longer want this government uh, to hinder us from getting that anymore. Yeah, it's an amazing thing to watch. I mean, I think that for, you know, most of the world looks at China and they would think those people won't dare to protest. They know how violent the government is. They know if you get arrested, you won't see your family again. Uh, and, and so people thought, I mean, and the government thought we have them pretty well tamped down. I love the spirit of freedom and people are finally saying we're not going to live like this forever. And I think COVID among its many evils, but it helped people recognize uh, yeah, we're, we're really being this. We've lost freedom here. We don't have any freedom at all, and we're not going to take it anymore. So at the end of the show, I mentioned in my email this morning, I do offer our audience members a chance to ask questions, and somebody has a microphone. But while they're thinking, if they have a question, I want to quick ask you very quickly, if you can summarize like two minutes, what was the event you did with that NBA player, um, Ennis Cantor Freedom? Um, that I, I think that's you had him come in and speak. Or at a panel, right? Can you quick tell us about that? 
So I was able to organize with our with our colleagues um, in in different organizations um, a, a congressional briefing at the at the Kennedy Caucus Room um, in the U.S. Senate. So that was an event where we um, touched upon our own companies, um, uh, American companies' compliance uh, to the CCP and what what we can do um, as you know, as as people and as policymakers also uh, to do um, to combat um, this this evil that's going on. And so NS also um, very thankfully shared his experience with the NBA, how they kowtowed to the Chinese Communist Party, and um, just and also just despite being alone, he took this he, he took on this fight. Um, to to do what was right, which is to um, you know address this evil and to do everything that he can as a proud American, mind you, um, to um, uh, to do the right thing and uh, to to stand for freedom. And even um, and even before that, and back in February, uh, we as the captive nations and the uh, and the women's rights without frontiers and the save the persecuted Christians and the Committee on President Day of China, of course, um, we all, we gave uh, NS a captive nations award. And we had members and representatives from the Uyghur community, Kazakh community, um, the Tibetan, uh, Southern Mongolian, Hong Kong, um, Chinese and Falun Dafa and Chinese Christians community all coming together to give him that award of appreciation to tell him that, you know, uh, no matter what happens, uh, we are behind him and we and we are behind anybody actually um, who will use their um, position of power and influence in order to uh, combat this evil as much as no, as much as possible. So that's um, so we, we, were, we were also very blessed to do that at the Faith and Liberty Center right behind the Supreme Court. Um, as uh, as I would say, a, a great reminder for our policymakers that, you know, the fight is coming and going on and we're going to hold them accountable to it. I love that. You know, honestly, we needed about three hours because they have about a lot of directions they want to go. But I, was, I don't know if people have. I didn't see it. Yeah, someone had a hand up. OK. So you remember how you speak loudly and right in the microphone. I just was wondering if the Chinese people, do they associate, they're, uh, you know, they're being suppressed, their freedoms are being suppressed. Do they see that also in religious suppression? And is that rising up at all? Yeah, um, that's an excellent question. Um, I would say the, the Chinese Christians, both Protestants and Catholics, have been um, in the forefront of fighting against um, this, um, this regime, just by simply practicing their faith relentlessly, um, whether it's on, on underground. And there are even a lot of great believers um, in the Chinese official church. But um, they are, um, I, I would say that they, they're the spiritual backbone of the country. We're also seeing a great number of Falun Gong community just also um, being relentlessly um, fighting for a religious freedom um, in China and, and, and abroad. Um, and and, and we, the same thing could be applied to uh, the Tibetans and um, the other Uyghurs uh, who fall under Buddhism and, and Islam. But um, all, all in all, I would say that the Chinese people um, themselves are, are now realizing that the CCP is not just a problem um, in terms of policy. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a humanities problem. It's essentially a problem for everybody. And one uh, Chinese international student, I remember, came, came and said, you know, if they can do this um, now, what more they can do with all the power and influence and money that they have? Um, and just even going back to your question, you know, we, we're seeing that power um, through, uh, through the Vatican, where um, the Vatican has signed this uh, atrocious deal with China, one of which would um, essentially 
for the Vatican to recognize the priests um, that um, have been trained and groomed uh, by Catholic, quote unquote, priests trained and groomed by the, the Communist Party itself. So um, we're not only seeing a, a threat, but we're also seeing a massive amount of infiltration and subversion that will eventually lead to the redefinition of our faith in the future, as we're seeing it with the, uh, with the current um, Vatican, China Vatican deal. Um, and so I would say that that's uh, it's it's the danger is bigger than um, than what we can see right now. You know, one point underlying what you said um, a minute ago that would be, is really helpful for more Americans to understand: China requires, I mean, by their own federal law, that essentially all companies in China. You may think, well, I'm dealing with a private company here. I'm just buying the shoes they make or whatever it is. But every Chinese company, I mean, based in China must give all information that the CCP requests. CCP has access to everything they have and do. They're, the money is eventually, you're buying products that ev eventually end up helping the CCP. So you're really not um, dealing with a private company in the sense of how Americans think of a private company. You're, you're, you're essentially dealing with the government no matter who you're dealing with there. Well, well, yes, of course, and I would, I would say that, um, that one of the most dangerous things to be in China is to be a billionaire, because at that point, you're, you know, everything that you own, whether it's financiers or even your family members, belong to the will of the party. Um, matter of fact, you know, even going back to the Belt and Road Initiative, um, any Chinese company that develops a port, uh, for example, they need. Uh, in anywhere around the world, um, they need to make um, the port um, more friendly towards um, housing and even um, fueling um, the Chinese naval vessels. And so you see that um, every one of these companies are, um, are, are, are essentially the tools of the Chinese Communist Party under the name of uh, you know, free participating in the free market. And so um, yeah. that's another thing that you need to keep in mind. Yeah. I have a zillion questions, but I'm trying to be nice. I told them, like, anyone else have a question? Because we have about three minutes, actually. But I'd love to have a question. Oh, there you go, right here. My, the microphone's coming your way. Thank you for speaking out. Um, I'm wondering, you said that you, uh, when, when you didn't feel like you quite fit in, you ran across Mark's teachings and it influenced you. Have you run into any book that has influenced your th thinking today and uh, on, in your Christianity that you would recommend for college students? Well, first and foremost, oh, well, thank you so much for that question. But first and foremost, um, I, I wasn't really a, a all that top-notch student, and so I really didn't feel like reading <laughs> reading all the time. But I number one. That anybody should hold dear to, especially if you're a Christian, is the Bible. Um, if we lose um, this, uh, our, our connection to the Scriptures itself, we, lo we lose um, any connection that we have with the Lord. I mean, it, it, again, in the first sentence in the book of Matthew, it says the Word became flesh. Uh, where Jesus is the embodiment of all the word that God has given us. And so um, I, I would say even before reading any other Christian books, or uh, which, which are all wonderful, by the way, many of them are, uh, and they will really transform your life. Um, but before you jump into any of them, uh, I, would, I would say the scriptures need to be your first priority and you must meditate. And I, and so, and I, I sound like a bit of a hypocrite saying this, but um, you know, it's something that we must strive to, to do um, to the, to the yeah. Amen. Yeah, amen. This room loves it. Yeah, like, okay. 
Well, Sahil, we're just about out of time. I really want to, uh, again, as I said at the start, commend you for your bravery, for your leadership in the Captive Nations Coalition. And that is part of the Center of the Committee on Present Danger China, uh, which is uh, online. I think it's Committee for presentdangerchina.org. They take donations online. They are doing what you're hearing here. They do these kind of events, spreading the word, spreading truth. Uh, and what you have done, I want, I briefly consider running through all the events I saw posted, but that would take too long. But you do great events, thinking through what would be a good message, who can deliver the message, who's credible, who's believable, and just getting out there and spreading the word, which is what many people are clamoring to have us do. The people who love America and love freedom, they want people to speak up like you're doing. So I commend all that you're doing and, and appreciate you so much. I just want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. Thank you, sir. Great to <laughs> Honestly, uh, first of all, I thank you for tuning in. We are at the end of our time for today, but I want to thank you for tuning in. I really encourage you to read the website. Uh, you can go to first the Center for Security Policy and then presentdangerchina.org and then the, the subpart of that group, this um, subcommittee, um, which is a Captive Nations Coalition. They work with anyone, nations who are captive or have some, somehow lost their freedom. Uh, and honestly, this work, you hear it in this young man's words, his voice, his, the way he speaks this idea, is bigger than just the interests of America, but it really is the interests of America to stand up for the freedom and the rights of people all around the world. It, it is the call of the Christian in today's time, uh, and for just people who love God and want to see God's children around the world uh, live in freedom, they live in the God-given freedom the scriptures say they're supposed to have. So it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a great guest to have here at Christmas season. And it's also a great organization to know about, and I urge you to read everything they do and consider donating to them. Um, and I'm just so grateful we had the opportunity uh, that it happened. I ran across this young man about two, three weeks ago, and, uh, or two weeks ago, and uh, he was able to join us today. So well, thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Thursday shows are always great. In-studio audience, great guest. There will not be a Thursday show in the next couple of weeks uh, due to the Christmas holidays. Uh, but we'll be back with Jan on January 5th, the first Thursday in the new year, 2023. We have who will then be former Congressman Louis Gohmert joining us in the studio. And, you know, if you think you've been on my show and been really willing to speak the truth, regardless of political correctness, while he was still in Congress, now he's out, or he will be out by then. And I really want to talk with him, I want all of us to get to talk with him about what do freedom lovers, American-loving patriots do in this time in America. I'm sure he'll be, as the expression goes, loaded for bear. He will be ready to talk with us about all of us, about what we need to do to keep America safe and strong. So I hope you can tune in then. Uh, we are doing shows next week, but no Thursday shows again until Thursday, January 5th. Thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can you America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear